Um, Kroner. Um, Amelia Kroner. Yeah, my name is Amelia Kroner. I go by my last name, Kroner. Yes. <laughs> I, I know it's not that pretty. Yeah. It's Kroner. It's Kroner. Thank you. I'm Clara, and this is Coming and Going. In this series, we go behind our glamorous Instagram facades and talk about the restless and anchorless life of coming and going, a life dispersed between home and home, but also about growing up, I guess. This time, we're doing something a bit different. I've invited a few others to speak to their versions of home. You've seen her name followed by The Quest, or Read This, or Read That, but in this episode, Kroner speaks about how she became her own home and how she came to terms with Amelia. If you met me three years ago at Foundation Week for the class of 2020, you probably heard some kind of version of what you listened to at the top of the show. It's Kroner. It's Kroner. Thank you. When I started Minerva, I knew I wanted a radically new beginning, a do-over, one where I was different, one where I was the person I actually wanted to be, one where others saw that new person I was becoming, not who I had been. I didn't want to be Amelia. I didn't want others to know Amelia. So I took my last name, one I used to lament as a child because it wasn't pretty, as my first. This name that was almost objectively awkward, ugly, confusing, and so currency-sounding was a name that I had taken on for myself. It was unique. It was new. That's what I wanted. But to explain why it is I wanted a do-over, why I didn't like Amelia, I have to jump around to a few different times in my life. I'll begin the backstory a bit further along in the timeline. January 2018. My semester in India started off relatively well. I settled into my apartment for the semester, giddy with excitement about our living arrangement, ready for all the flavors I hadn't yet tried that would soon have me dealing with digestive issues for far longer than I could have expected, and thrilled to be in a place so radically different from anywhere I had ever been before. It was in those first two weeks that my mother visited me. One day, about a week into her visit, we were out on the residence patio, sipping chai and discussing home. Why I hadn't been back in so long, why it was hard for me to be there. I began to recount, as I do, how I had changed, how I had grown, and more importantly, how I was happy. I told her that happiness felt more real, more present than it had at home. How I had been sad for a while there, something she knew, something I've talked about vaguely with her and my father since leaving. She looked at me with her head slightly tilted to one side. She asked if I could remember being happy at home, when those moments were. I answered yes. Despite being sad for a while, I did of course remember being happy. I remembered having a generally pleasant childhood, with a house that had so much love and support in it. But then she asked about something I had never expected her to bring up. Do you think it had to do with that hip-hop class you took when you were young? I 
I don't know how I responded. I might not have. I realized as soon as she asked, I had never considered my parents being there during that time. A thought obviously lacking in logic. After that, what were you, seven? I remember something shifting. You were always bubbly, always a generally smiley kid, but something changed after that. You seemed fine for the most part, but then every now and then, you'd come home crying or upset. You kept to yourself more. You never really went back to how you were before. At seven, I was a part of an after-school hip-hop dance program. I don't exactly know when or how it started, but I was bullied quite a lot by the other seven-year-olds. I think I had an angry streak in me, and so as far as I can remember, I fought back at first, which made it worse. My mother recounted to me her memory of events. We remember you telling us about it, and we discussed about taking you out for a while, but... But it wasn't until that day in Harvard Square, when you refused to dance, that we realized it was time to do something. It was then we understood how bad it was. Now, I honestly don't really remember the event to which she was referring, but I do remember another moment that must have been around the same time. We were practicing at the auditorium of the Longfellow School, the public middle school in my city in which we held practice sessions and some performances, when, potentially after a moment of provocation, the other kids crowded around me and began taunting calling me ugly, telling me over and over that nobody liked me, that I had no friends, that no one ever could like me. I can still remember the sound of the main kid, I think his name was Julian, as he kept saying, ugly chick, ugly chick. I don't remember how long it went on until the teacher came back. I do remember hiding behind the curtain after she did, crying. I remember her making me tell her in front of them what happened her sitting them down before me and ordering them to apologize. That's my memory of the end of my stint in hip-hop dancing. Whereas before I had a reasonably easy time making friends, I couldn't really for a few years. And once I did start making friends again, I found myself in a number of toxic friendships. Relationships ripe with lies and rumors and all the typical middle school bullshit that frankly everybody has a story about. I honestly think I became what those kids expected of me. I became needy for want of true friendship. I became loud. I became stuck up because all I had was my ability to excel academically. But who likes a loud know-it-all who's so clearly frothing at the mouth for attention? At least that's what I thought. And honestly, that's what I thought about myself for years, potentially up until Hyderabad. Through all those toxic friendships and moments of bullying, I had my home. I had my mom and my dad who poured all of themselves and their love into me. I had a beautiful house with two cats and dinner at the table every night and all the things they say you're meant to have. I had a small city with parks and everything I needed a short walk or bike right away. Yes, that um, was just an unrelated plug for mixed use to moderate urban density. And for the most part, my parents fighting wasn't too bad. But when it did get worse as their marriage became more tense and eventually ended during my last few years in high school, I began to lose that refuge as well, at which point the word home really began to blur for me. So when my mom, at one of the round wooden tables on the cafe patio of the Hyderabad residence, mentioned that time a million years ago, a time I hadn't thought of actively in a million years, a time I don't even think I brought up while in therapy for two years, something switched. I realized there was this thing, 
this moment in my own personal narrative that was important, that represented a major, as my mom put it, change. I went up to my room and cried in my bed with Liberty, my roommate, for a while. That was the first week, but it wasn't until a few weeks later that the weight of what she had said, the weight of those memories and their implications fully hit me. One night, around the first break of the semester, I tried to go to bed. I had been having some difficulty sleeping, something that has happened to me every now and then for years. And after anxiously waiting almost an hour or two for sleep to come to me while knowing it wouldn't, I wandered frantically through the halls looking for a friend to hold me. But they were all gone. On trips, sleep with someone else. So I went to our apartment balcony and cried. And cried and cried. (laughs) And then things were dark. Frankly, things were dark until I left India. The combination of an emotionally hectic apartment, extreme heat, digestion problems for four months, a couple of struggling friendships, further proving seven-year-old Amelia's externally delivered hypothesis, the lack of greenery and calm space, and dealing with my deepest, darkest insecurities for the first time in a while made everything a bit overwhelming. (laughs) It was in the midst of all that that I made dinner with Nadav, a close friend of mine. Now, so many of you have asked me, why do you go by Kroner? Many a stranger whose opinion I did not request have so kindly illuminated me to the fact that Amelia is so much prettier, or some of the bolder of those have let me know Kroner is an ugly name. Yes, someone has straight up said that. And yeah, I think I'll just stick with calling you Amelia. Here is why I changed. I did not like Amelia. I did not like how she got angry and yelled. I did not like how she was annoying and needy. I did not like how she was a know-it-all. I did not like how she was sad. I did not like how other people did not like her. I did not like her. And so, when I came to Minerva, I decided I wouldn't be her. I would be who I wanted to be. I would forget her and all the bad that came with her. I told this to Nadav that night as we made dinner in my kitchen where the poor ventilation and closed door made the room hotter than hell. And he told me something that maybe I should have been told years ago. It sounds like Amelia needs a hug. (sighs) He was right. I could feel how right he was the moment the words fell out of his mouth. She needed love. The part of me that needed love more than any other was the exact part I had been punching and kicking and screaming at for years. She was the part I was blaming for all of my flaws, all of my woes. For every friend lost, it was her fault. For every awkward moment, she was to blame. But she, Amelia, was just a seven-year-old girl who didn't know how to protect herself, who had other people tell her how to feel, and believed them because she was so young and didn't yet know who she was who didn't have anyone to share this with for so long. Following that night with Nadav, I booked a bus to Pondicherry and a hostel bed in the town over, Oroville. After a 14-hour bus ride where my bed, conveniently located next to the open emergency roof exit, was nicely soaked for me from the rain pouring in, I arrived at my hostel, 
rented a moped from a man with fewer teeth than my then-infant nephews, and turned off all notifications and communication with anyone for four days. On my second day there, I woke up before the sun, rode down to the beach, and sat. I imagined that Amelia was there, sitting next to me on the cool, pre-sun-baked sand. I expected I would conduct a conversation of sorts with her, that together we would solve all of my problems. But when I turned to her, or where my mind was placing her form, I could do nothing but cry. Cry and apologize, over and over. I'm sorry. I'm so, so sorry. My mind immediately let go of the tight fists it had been clenching, of the fighting words it had lined up to hurl in her direction, and I held her. We cried together. One crazy girl on a beach in Oroville, curled into a ball and sobbing in the midst of fishermen prepping for the day among the sand and the sun slowly uncovering its head and shining the day's first slivers of light upon the water. I went back to Hyderabad a few days later to find myself in an even darker space than I had been in before. One where the idea of waking up and seeing people hurt one were doing any of the things Kroner would do, like socializing or being outside my room, took everything out of me and often sent me back to my bed. But despite that, one day a week earlier, I had curled into myself and decided as the sun rose on a beach in a small and very weird town full of French hippies on the southeast coast of India, 14 hours from my home at the time, that I would begin the process of loving myself. And I could feel the beginning of that process even in the darkness of the weeks that followed. Though I was at my lowest in those days, I didn't feel the same loneliness I had before. Someone was there, sitting alongside me in the thick darkness. She let me know this was necessary, that I had to deal with the dark for a bit longer. But that soon enough, the lights would turn back on, one by one, that I would be able to see my home again. That I was my home. That I am home. Hi, my name is Kroner. It's very nice to meet you. You've been listening to Coming and Going, but this time with my friend Amelia Kroner. If you relate to the topics or anything we say, please let me know. Similarly, if you have any ideas for something you'd like me to include or if you want to be part of the series, send me a message at clara at minerva.kgi or my Facebook. Chances are we're friends there. We've been thinking of ways to keep this going during the semester, but we might need your help. This summer season has focused on the concept of home and what that means. The second season, we're thinking, could be more focused on going, aspects of life away. We'd love to feature more voices and topics. If you feel like that could be you, shoot me a message. Oh, and make sure to follow the Minerva Quest on Facebook and our podcast channel, wherever you find your podcasts. Our theme song is Running by DJ Quads. The soundtrack to this episode was created by Lakey Inspired, Props, and Audionatics. <laughs> <laughs>